Hey, everybody, and welcome to Prep Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about the components that make a good class lecture. Coming up next. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm Marcus. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Prep Hour. All right, good lectures. I think that lecture gets a bad rap, and bad lectures should get a bad rap, but there is a way to utilize lectures effectively, and I I think lectures, we all agree, I think, that lecture and direct instruction is actually an extremely important um, way to, uh, uh, extremely important (laughs) aspect of teaching. You just have to do it correctly. And so, you know, if you're going to lecture, first of all, it should be something that you're knowledgeable enough about in order to get up and and masterfully deliver that content um in in a in a direct setting and and then you have to do something with it so it if you lecture bell to bell it's not going to work that that to me is a bad lecture you have to give an input and then have the students give an output and it should be in in short bursts um in gilbert we talk about active learning experiences and and short burst learning so you give them direct instruction for 10 15 minutes now they need to do something with that information mm-hmm. and then you do more instruction and you know, so on and so forth. I think a lot of teachers though, think that it has to be a big activity. Mm. Like I think a lot of teachers get intimidated because they're like, well, you know, only lecture for seven, eight minutes. And then, and then you gotta, then you gotta break it down and you've got to do this. And it's, it doesn't have to be something that t- it can literally be something that takes two minutes you know, it was like, hey, we're going to do a quick activity. We just learned this. Answer these eight questions. Yep. And then we're going to go over it, right? It takes them two minutes to... A, a lot of times I would... I, I always had the little timer on the computer. And I would say, you got two minutes. Click it. They'd answer the questions. Buzzer would go off. We would go over it as a class. And then that's perfect because then you can say, okay, just this person got it wrong. But it seems like everybody else got it right. So, okay. I'll so now you're you're formatively assessing where they're exactly. At. Yeah. So now you're seeing where is everybody was everybody listening? Did I was it me? Did I not do this correctly? Is it them? And then you should do that. I, I think most of my lectures, I call them all lectures. Like people say bell to bell. I'm like, well, I lecture bell to bell, but I'm not really lecturing bell to bell. Yeah, what does it look like when what do, what what is a typical you call it lecture, but what does that look like? So uh, a typical lecture for me would open up with, I would start the class out with the, you guys remember the game, uh, $100,000 pyramid? Where I do. Okay, I do. so the $100,000 pyramid is you put up, first I would put up one with just like, just common everyday pop culture kind of references, you know, like A&W Root Beer and Dr. Pepper. And so you have one student that sits not facing the answers. And then you have somebody who basically says, um, this is a frothy, n- non-caffeinated drink that people like to eat at, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, root beer, you know, and then they have to figure it out. And then you say, okay, that was a practice round. And then you take all the terms that you learned yesterday. So one would be nominal GDP. And then, so now the student has to say, 
Right. Okay. You break them up in teams or whatever. And then these two people come up and then they have to, one's not seeing the answers and the other one has to describe what nominal GDP is without using the word nominal GDP, mm. which is perfect because yeah. they're describing it without using it. So they have to use all the, okay, well, what is it? Oh, it doesn't account for this number is a number about productivity, but it doesn't account for inflation. Right. And then the other student has to be, Oh, nominal GDP. And the next one's real GDP. And the next one's, you know, consumer price index. And then that's how you start off. Then you go into the lecture of, okay, we talked about inflation. You go into, here's this. This is how we figure out inflation, blah, blah, blah. Then they work out problems. You show them. So if, if you look at how do students retain information, you know, they retain, if they read it, they 24 hours later, it's like, you know, 10%. If it's lecture, it's 15%. If it's homework assignment, it's, you know, 5%. If it's demonstration, it's 20%. If it's something that they do themselves, it's 50%. If they teach somebody else the problem, then it's 70%. So I always tried to say, okay, I want to do reading, direct instruction, demonstration. They work. So I show them what I want them to do. Then they do it. And then in their groups, whoever doesn't know how to do it, the person that knows how to do it teaches the other person how to do it. And then I walk around and monitor. And then we go back into lecture or direct instruction. Mm -hmm. And then we do solve a problem or figure out something. And then, and then it's the same thing. So then it's, I demonstrate, we'll go over you know a problem as a class. Okay. Now you guys know how to do it. You guys know what you're doing. Yep. Okay. You work out these five problems. They work out the five problems in two minutes. We go over the answers. What did you mess up? Why didn't you get it right? Sarah explained to Jared what he needs to do, blah, blah, blah. And it just, every day is basically like that, except for class projects and other administrative stuff that you might have to do throughout the week. But that's usually what it looks like. Yeah. And I've always been told, my students are like, we love your class. It's always, they'll always say, even though you lecture the whole time, it's really fun. And I'm like, but I'm not lecturing the whole time. Like I'm probably talking, you know, 60 minute class, I'm probably talking maybe half the time, less than half the time. So yeah. And not straight. It's not a straight 30 minutes. Well, and that's quality teaching. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. I know Marcus. That's why, no. <laughs> that's why I turned out so well. <laughs> Well, I, one of the things I thought of as you guys were talking, we were, we were talking about video, mm. and that's how I introduced a lot of, if it was a lecture or a lesson, I'd use video as a, as a kind of as a setup. And I was able to also assess their background information, how much they knew they were able to apply from the video or whatever else, what they knew where we're going, what, how much do they know where we're going, and kind of assess it from there, and then move forward. And depending on what we knew, we could kind of at least get, build a template of where we're going. And I could identify students and and pull back the lecture or the direct instruction to what we knew in that class and tie that into that student and engage them. And I think the one thing, that, Pete, you're doing it, I think people really misunderstand when they talk about direct instruction is you're constantly checking their temperature to see what they're doing, what they're understanding, what, and, and it's and, of any formative. We are, we're always checking that. It could be, hey, your partner next to you. Talk about what we've talked about the last ten minutes, and then we you bring back it, you know, whole group back as whole group, and you you review whatever it is that you're reviewing or discussing. And I think that's a big part of it. I don't. I think the day of, I think the stereotype of you're going sixty minutes bell to bell. That's not. I think that's the the misconception. 
The yeah. reality of it is it's broken up in, in small little facets. One of the things that we, you touched on too is time. I think I was, I, I don't know where I got that. This is like my first year teaching um, in one of my, met, or I can't, it was my master's class or methods class, but then our, my instructor or professor said, don't ever instruct longer than the age of your group. Mm-hmm. So if they're 16 years old, that's as far as you want to go. And I always kind of held on. I think that's a pretty good baseline. You have to, because yeah. I've been Excellent. in your classroom yeah. several times. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely. But they, the principal always sent me in there to check out on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but your students were always up, moving around, doing stuff. You were either doing some kind of four-corner activity where they were moving and explaining their reasons why they disagreed with this statement or or, di- or disagreed or agreed mm-hmm. with this statement, why, and you pressed them on it. You made sure that they, you know, they're not just walking over there just be like, oh, whatever, you know. Right, right. So I always thought you did a good job of Thanks. Well, and that's, and that's, and that's, but I look back at that. It was the one, and again, as I, as my career progressed, the one thing I noticed was less of me and more of them was yeah. always always good and i think but it takes a lot it takes a lot of confidence and skill because i think once you relinquish that and you you give them the framework and it's direct instruction it truly is i don't care how you frame it what you're talking about pete that is direct instruction because you're providing them the framework and when they don't when they're off the rails, so to speak, you've got to bring them back on. And I think that takes time. That just takes time because you've got to understand the content area. You've got to be able to make the connections to bring those students back on. Because uh, they might be saying something that's relevant, but it's it may seem irrelevant at the time, but you've got to make that connection to bring them back in. And I think that's hard. To, that's not always easy to do, especially with an unsophisticated group. AP kids, it's easy. But gen ed kids, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like your point about videos, and and you were talking about like you have them do something with after you lecture for a certain amount of time. Like this is all backed up by research on how the brain works and learns, right? Like we know that the brain processes images 60,000 times faster than it does text mm-hmm. um, words. And so like when you're talking about showing them a video, a short clip, five, 10 minutes, and then you go into whatever you're doing, whether that's a short lecture or that's going to be an activity they're going to do you're priming their brain. It's called dual coding, right? You're giving them an image to connect to that information. And then when you're talking, Pete, about like give them an active learning experience, something to do with the information that that they've just gotten in your short burst of lecture, the easiest thing, this is where I've kind of gone with this, kind of combining the two this year is have them draw what they just learned in those 10 minutes, 15 minutes yeah. and then explain it to somebody else. And that's dual coding again. Right. Right. Um, you're, and it's you're fun. Connecting. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I always find, I mean, it's, I'm not talking about the teachers that just let their classes run wild, but usually the, the best teachers in school, you'll always hear people, well, they're just over there laughing and just, it's always loud over there. I'm like, cause they're having a good time. Like, <laughs> like it's okay. If during a lecture, if you're like, this is going to be a hard, material right it's okay during half of it to just be like we're gonna do a couple minute to win it so break off into teams and just let's just shut down for a second and just spend the next five minutes doing something active getting away from it for a minute and then it has nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. about the class and then i i think and then coming back to it and be like all right is everybody cool are we cool is everybody chill are we ready to get back into this because you'll see it mm-hmm. the the more you teach you'll start to see like Okay, I'm losing them. Yeah. Even doing an activity where I demonstrate the material and they like yeah. they're not even interested in that. I feel it. Well, and, and I think 
to what you're talking about too. And I think God, Pete, with econ and you know government and everything else and whatever the history is, if we can find a way to relate it to them, mm-hmm. you know, develop. I always just say empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, if we they're making connections for the students, and I was in econ, it was there's so many obvious connections that yeah, time. you read the news, yeah, you read the news right. every day. There's and you're so like, many obvious connections, you know, on so many things. Just whatever it is, budgeting or stock market or whatever, whatever it is, interest rates, because it it will relate to them. And there's so many fun activities you can do, and you can do those. I, in my, in my, in my opinion, you can do that with any social studies class. I really believe that. That's our job as teachers is to relate that mm-hmm. to them, and I think you can do it. And if if you can't, then you know, get help from a colleague. Yeah, and see if you can. Yeah, I think kind of one of my sayings I keep using this year is for teachers: if you're stuck in the rut of I'm going to talk the entire hour, because there are teachers who do that. I, I keep telling them, talk less, teach more. Because if you're just talking at them the entire hour, you're not you're not teaching. But to Mark's point, like that's that's where I think the important because there's a lot that goes on in a school day, right? So to try to change things up or to some of these things we're talking about, like we're talking about implementing these activities or these strategies, that's kind of daunting to some teachers. So making sure you're you're talking to your colleagues or working together because they have stuff to give you. So like, I think teachers sometimes shy away from adjusting and the natural inclination is just talk at, at people, talk to your colleagues for goodness sakes. Cause you don't have to do it alone. Like Mark said. So Marcus, you've been dealing with a lot of first year, second year teachers. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you notice most about their, their lecturing? I know you said that they talk too much. Are they lecturing too much or just talking about just trying to fill the void lecturing or too much? Yeah. And it's funny. And so, what do you, what do you, what do you, what are some of the psychological things that you're it's, uh, teaching yeah. them? And like, what are, what are you, what are you coaching them on? Yeah. On what to do. So, I think the biggest reason why new teachers, and probably it's funny because I think the stereotype is that more veteran teachers tend to lecture more. And that's mm-hmm. sometimes true. But a lot of new teachers will try to lecture the whole hour, lecture for too long. I got to cover everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think truly, at, even more than that, I think that's there. I think they get pressure from their colleagues on that. Make sure you're covering everything. Okay. But I think really at the heart of it is a, it's a kind of what Mark said. It's a fear that it's going to go like, it's going to become chaos, letting go of the control. Yeah. And I think they, when you're brand new, you don't always know how to create a culture where essentially you're running a team. It's like running a sports team, Mm -hmm. right? You as Coach, Coach Redimos, you don't go, that's hard to freaking say. Yeah, it's Coach, Coach. Yeah, Just say Coach, geez. Coach. You don't, you don't go out and play on the field, right? Like you gotta, you gotta get that group of people, um, cause you, soccer, right? You gotta get them working together in a way that they can go out on the field. I mean, I guess you can try and shout from the sidelines in soccer, but I don't think that works. I was too well, never, right? That coach, yeah. So like you gotta get them working together in a way that's productive and so that you can step back and then make adjustments right? As the game's going on, it's the same thing in a classroom. And I think that's, that's hard for, for new teachers because they don't know how to establish norms, how to correct without ruining your relationship with students, Mm -hmm. right? What does it even look like to manage a group, truly manage a group of people? If you're just talking at them, like I'm doing right now for 55 minutes, you're not managing anybody. You're just blabbing or you're Mm -hmm. filibustering. Being able to actually manage groups of people, teenagers, that's a skill that I think a lot of new teachers don't don't get in college, and so it's a fear. I think of a control thing. I can totally see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and then the other thing I think, Mark, as you're talking about too, that takes years. Yes. That's not something that happens 
the first, second, or third year. It yeah. takes a while. I mean, I was I was thinking to myself, what that I used lecture, frankly, as a classroom management piece when yeah. I first started because instead of waiting for them, we, like you and I talked about, um, Pete, that I would wait for silence or wait for them to come up with the answer. And I had no problem waiting, but that took, that took a few years to figure that one out. I learned it early on, but I didn't have the confidence to use it. And the one thing I always knew is, hey man, if I want my, if I want my kids to be quiet, let me lecture for the entire hour and right. not interact with them. Right. And I think that, I think that's a, 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 a almost a fail safe for a lot of new teachers. So what do you tell a teacher? I mean, because yeah. I'm guessing they're afraid. So what do you, I'm because my thing would be like, you're just going to have to, do it. You're gonna have muscle to muscle up, man. You're gonna have to yeah. fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Luckily, our our coaching model, we get we can go in and co-teach. So mm-hmm. we'll go in and we'll co-teach with them where I'll do like a short burst of um instruction, like what we're talking about with active learning experiences and yeah. kind of model it. Yeah, you said um, dual coding and I I you lost me. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh connecting images to Okay. Information, All drawing right. a picture or showing a video is connected to. I got you. Yeah. Um, sorry. They just add, you know, labels <laughs> onto things that already existed. But anyway, so yeah, no. And, and it is a lot of like trying to pull, pull them. You got to like build their confidence in steps. So, okay, let's just literally, let's pick a callback, whether you're going to count down from five or you're going to do a silence thing or wh- like whatever it is, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's just try with just the warm up that that's really how we've had to kind of me and my instructional coach partner tackle new teachers, getting them to the point of where they can do a full class of, you know, th- th- what we're talking about. And it's it's tough to get them there. Yeah. Well, and I think t- the other part is I, I think it's a real important component of teachers. And Pete mentioned it earlier is chaos is is good. It's good in a classroom. If it's active, yeah, if it's get, organized. You have to yeah. get used. You to have it to a get used bit. to that. And I think so many of us, you know, we we reflect in many respects, especially our first three to five years. We reflect what we how we were taught mm-hmm. as students, and so we were lectured to. And maybe not so much now for newer teachers that are younger, but you and I, Pete, that's how we were. That's you know, that's how. Well, yeah, it was. You're not yeah. supposed to stare off, and you, you right. can't get out of your seat. And you right. can't. And now it's, it's like get out of your seat. Yeah, get out. Of your, it's over. totally different. It's a, it's a real. Yeah, they're per- gonna go talk to their friends. Right. Just redirect them. Right. They're gonna right. give you some smart ass right. thing, and you gotta right. give them a smart ass thing right. back, and just be like, "Come on, let's get over." And don't take it personal. You don't have to write them up. It's it's normal. They're just testing you. Once they realize you're cool, and you're like, ah, "Look, man, you're gonna." You're going to cross the Rubicon here pretty quick. Absolutely. Like, don't make me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and when they bring up the fear, too, of like how, like when teachers will say, you know, well, if I don't lecture, because you're right, it can be more, you can get a lot more through if you're going to lecture bell to bell, right? But they'll say, like, how am I going to get through all my standards? Or how am I going to get through all the material? Well, no offense, but they ain't learning crap anyways, because you're not doing, yeah. you're not teaching well. So you might as well slow down and and provide some quality instruction yeah. um, using this model. Cause, yeah, because they're going to suck on the test on everything. Yeah. Mm. Whereas the other teacher who just focused on eight out of 10 things yeah. is going to do really well on eight out of 10 things. And then they're going to say, well, why didn't they do this well? And that teacher's going to say, because we didn't get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to say, I got everything. And be like, yeah, but your scores are terrible because yeah. you didn't make any connections. You didn't dual encode. You're going to do a code, man. <laughs> Dunning-Kruger effect right there. 
<laughs> I don't know what that means. That was, I do know what that means, but I didn't. That, work. that was didn't me work. at the start of this podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, should I just read the Chat GPT uh, outro again? <laughs> sure. Why not? Hold on one second. Uh-huh. If you don't I know let... what we're talking about, that means you didn't listen to our last episode, Ooh. and you should probably go do that. Ooh, Marcus, just there's your homework. You. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found it informative. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on social media. Instagram and Facebook or by sending us an email. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our show and leaving a review. But seriously, go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review and click five stars if you think we're worth worthy of five stars. So thanks for listening to us. Stay curious.